Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Middle Way Mom Reads, where we dig into books that enhance and inform our homeschooling journey. I'm Shannon, a homeschooling mom since 2009 and a student of the Islamic Sciences, working toward my bachelor's degree in Islamic Studies from Mishka University. I've been using the Charlotte Mason Method since 2016, and I'm hoping that this series helps more parents realize the value of the Charlotte Mason Method in their homes. We're starting with the most classic book in the Charlotte Mason Method, the first book in her six-volume series titled Home Education. We'll work through this book together, inshallah. I will discuss highlights of the book without the assumption that you've read it yourself, but of course you will gain a much greater understanding if you read the book as well. So today we are starting with this section called The Child Gets Knowledge by Means of His Senses. If you're following along, we are on page 65. Um, she starts with this section talking about how children are keen observers from birth. Um, this is why we see children putting stuff in their mouths um, from a young age, is they're using each and every one of their senses to try to figure out what things are. So is this food? Is this not food? Is this um, is this a toy? Like what is this? Is this rough or smooth or cold or hot? All of these different things. Um, and then as they're like two years old and older, and maybe even before, it's really hard to measure these things, um, they're categorizing things. Again, like, is this food? Is it not food? Is this a hot thing? Right? Like once you start, um, once they start being aware of like, this is a hot pan, a hot pot. What other things are hot? Is everything that is put on the dinner table, is that hot? Um, So it's natural for them to try to categorize the various things that they come into contact with on a day-to-day basis. Charlotte Mason says, nature teaches so gently, so gradually, so persistently that he is never overdone. But what, but goes on gathering little stores of knowledge about whatever comes before him. This is, I love to think of it this way, where when we're studying, so like my, you know, my studies with Mishka, uh, if I'm studying Hadith sciences, there comes a point where I just feel full, like, I can't take it another thing. If I'm memorizing Quran, like there comes a point where it's just like, if I memorize another verse, I'm going to forget five. But when we are just out in exploring and nature is our teacher, we never really get to this point, Um, at least for a child who is exploring in this very natural way, right? Like if we're following along, look at this, this is the name of that. And look at this, this is the name of that. Of course, they're going to get to that point. But I think the point that she's trying to come to here is trusting that process. Um, And also, this is kind of honing in on that point of why outdoor time is so important. Um. In this outdoor time, they can see and taste and smell everything in a natural way. And when we try to artificially create this in the home, one, it's not as interesting. Two, half the time we don't do a great job at it, right, Um, in comparison to just going out and looking. Um, I always remember 
you know, like we've read about what is a canyon, what is a bay, what is a peninsula, so on and so forth. And we went to Big Bend National Park in Texas. And we're in we're in a canyon, you know, not the Grand Canyon, right? Like much, much smaller. But I just showed, said to the kids, this is a canyon. We're in a canyon. You see how there's like kind of walls of rock on either side and we are, you know, in the canyon. That's what this is. And like, done, right? I don't have to artificially create this if I can just show them the real thing in the first place. It's easier for us if we're like, okay, we're going to do everything in this room. We're going to, so I can bring in, I can order on Amazon. I can order on Amazon, all sorts of stuff. Then I'll get a big old Amazon box and then I can build a canyon in my living room. Granted, I live in Minnesota. Um, There's not a whole lot of canyons here or not that I know of. So it is far more expensive and far harder to go visit a canyon. But instead of our default being, how do I artificially create this? Our default, she's arguing, should be put them in touch with it directly. She goes on and says, by and by, he will have to conceive of things he has never seen. How can he do it except by comparison with things he has seen and knows? By and by, he will be called upon to reflect, understand, reason, what material will he have unless he has a magazine of facts to go upon? And one thing that I thought of here when I was reading this is this is how we answer children as well. We compare to other things that we've seen. I distinctly remember driving by, um, I think it was a Buddhist temple. So the kids were asking, you know, what is that? I'm like, well, by right? Like I haven't been to a Buddhist temple. I know that there's some in Minnesota. I think like one of the largest in the United States actually is in Minnesota. Um, and I've seen them online. Uh, I studied quite a bit uh, about Buddhism before I was Muslim. So like I have some set of knowledge and I'm using that to try to figure out this new thing that I'm seeing. So we're trying to essentially create those experiences for our children so they have that magazine of knowledge that's just within their mind that they can put those pieces together to discern, you know, a new piece of information or a new thing that they're experiencing in front of them. She goes on to say, the child who has been made to observe how high in the heavens the sun is at noon on a summer's day, how low at noon on a day in midwinter, is able to conceive of the great heat of the tropics under a vertical sun and to understand that the climate of a place depends greatly upon the mean height the sun reaches above the horizon. Right? This sounds super fancy. (laughs) It sounds like... Almost, almost complicated, but if they just notice and experience this, then it becomes so much easier when you sit down and you talk about it in a, in a, when you talk about this, the mean height of the sun reaches um, above the horizon, um, that you can, you can connect that to, to memories that they have of their own. The next section is called overpressure. She says, a great deal has been said lately about the danger of overpressure, of requiring too much mental work from a child of tender years. The danger exists, 
but lies not in giving the child too much, but in giving him the wrong thing to do, the sort of work for which the present state of his mental development does not fit him. What was like big red alarm bells in my mind as I'm reading this is preschool. This is the preschool work that we have started to provide. Um, My oldest daughter is currently 23 and my youngest is eight. So I've been able to see this 15-year difference in the drastic, absolutely drastic changes of what we expect in a preschooler in that 15-year gap or that 15-year change um, or time period or whatever. So, and what's interesting, I'm reading another book um, called The Collapse of Parenting of um, kind of like the opposite end of this, but it's like we expect so much out of preschool and so little out of upper elementary that we really have this backwards, that um, we're expecting in preschool that they should be able to write all the letters and know their sounds by the time that they get out of preschool. They should be able to cut around, you know, let's say like a shape like a snowman. They should be able to glue that down, like copying right over another uh, snowman, for instance. These, it's not that they shouldn't do hard, do things that challenge them. It's that we're expecting them to do things that like their muscular capacity in their hands is not fully capable, it's not capable of doing it well at that age. What they are capable of doing at that age is starting to learn emotional regulation, is starting to learn um, prioritizing needs, starting to learn um, the names of things around them instead of just kind of going through life, you know, as as a uh, passenger or as a what do they call it? Like a luxury tourist <laughs> where you're just you're just kind of along for the ride and somebody will tell you what to do and when to do it. The next section is um, a child learns from things and she puts things in quotes here. She says, we older people, partly because of our mature intellect, partly because of our defective education, get most of our knowledge through the medium of words. We set the child to learn in the same way and find him dull and slow. And then she asks, why? I think when she goes on to talk about why, um, you know, but her thoughts coupled with my thoughts, we learn from words because we have the experience to connect those words with reality. If I'm talking about a rainforest, I'm connecting various things that I've experienced, um, or that I've seen or heard or whatever, that I've had enough experience of reality to to make that make sense. Where for children, they don't necessarily have that capability yet. And like I already said, it's much easier for us to, to say, okay, sit down, I'm going to read you this book, and then I want you to tell me about the book, or I want you to take this test or whatever versus setting up some kind of trip, taking time out of your family vacation, um, maybe going on like a day trip near you, those type of things. Those take more work. But um, 
they kind of fit in neat boxes for us as parents. And specifically, so like this book is titled Home Education. She is still speaking to the child who's primarily at home. I think it's worth remembering that Charlotte Mason, when she's talking about her educational model, she's by and large talking about a school system. She's not talking to home educators. She's not talking to homeschoolers. Um, But during this time when she was writing this, children were still primarily at home uh, during these early years. Uh, Very similar to even when I was growing up, um, it was not uncommon for a mom to to be home. Uh, in before kindergarten that that they didn't go to preschool or daycare, that type of thing. She said, but set him face to face with a thing, and he is 20 times as quick as you are in knowing all about it. Knowledge of things flies to the mind of a child as steel fillings to a magnet. So once he knows this thing, his vocabulary will also grow to describe what he knows. And this is... You know, ask your kid about whatever it is. Maybe it's Minecraft. Maybe it's Roblox. Maybe it's what have you. Um, maybe it's soccer. Maybe it's wild. the show Wild Kratts. Whatever it is, they can tell you so much about it. They're really, really in tune with the finer details of these things. There's no reason why they can't be in tune with the natural world. We just have to, like come into it with this expectation that this is interesting. I'm not going to have to like make it interesting and make a game and make like, I swear, like the next time I see like a scavenger hunt, like you've just ruined everything. I'm sorry. Like I've done scavenger hunts. I probably have some on my website. I'm so sorry, but like you've just made a checklist for your kids and maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too harsh here. Maybe it doesn't ruin everything, but like just let them be just let them be as they are exploring and they can start to describe it to you and then while they're describing it if they're kind of you know using 800 words to describe something where you're like hey here's one word that describes that very well so the word luster like it's kind of shiny but it's you know it's shiny in the sun and so on and so forth oh it seems like it has luster you know the feathers have luster Whatever. So all of these, um, of course, are right in front of the item that we are, that we're observing. And maybe we do bring it into the home. Maybe it's something like a, a bone or the that type of thing, but they can touch and taste and see and feel as much as possible. The next section is called The Sense of Beauty Comes from Early Contact with Nature. This contact with the natural world opens countless doors of um, of the intellect, your habit of observation, your habit of detail, your habit of respect for creation, all of these are are the fruits of that labor. We've talked about this before, like just go on the walks and you will see these things start to form. So often my kids are the first ones to notice like an eagle's nest or blueberries or those type of things. They're looking at this closely because they now have enough experience with this. They know there are fun and exciting things around. So they're looking for those. She says, a larger, happier life for, um, sorry, 
So backing up here, the children will have a larger, happier life, for it is curious how certain feelings are linked with the mere observation of nature and natural objects. Quote, the aesthetic sense of the beautiful, says Dr. Carpenter, quote, of the sublime, of the harmonious, seems in its most elementary form to connect itself immediately with the perceptions which arise out of the contact of our minds with external nature. It's this feeling when we, this is why people go camping when like it's so much more work. You're, you know, you you don't have running water like right by where you're cooking, just all the things. Um, if you haven't been camping before, there is running water like by and large at, you know, campsites. Um, but it's not, you don't have your whole kitchen. You don't have a dishwasher. You don't have all these things. But people do this because there is, I would say it's more than just emotional. It really is like a spiritual connection. Allah tells us in the Quran to look at creation and to ponder and reflect. And when we follow this advice that Allah has given us, there's this this depth that you feel that is hard to come by in any other sense. you know, maybe watching your children do something really beautiful. Um, but there, it's it's hard to match that in any other place. So to give children this, to open up the doors of, uh, of this beauty and this depth in their emotional or spiritual selves is a gift that we give them when they go off to their adult life. And they know, okay, I am just, I'm so stressed out. I have finals. I have, you know, my marriage isn't going great. My kids are really stressing me out. What have you, that they can go on a walk in nature and just take that deep breath at the very least, inshallah. The next section is called Most Grown Men Lose the Habit of Observation. And then she gives examples of various poets that have kept this habit of observation alive. And they remember their childhood with clarity. And this is a wonderful gift where if the children can remember great memories from their childhood, if they can remember their favorite park, their favorite forest, their favorite stream, their favorite desert, all of these things then it's almost like this this beautiful place that they can go back to in times of stress. But most of us, um, I think here, I didn't highlight it, but I believe she, I know she said something like this in the past, even if it's not in this section, that it's not that they have forgotten, it's that they never sought truly in the first place. So to be able to really have that habit of observation as a young child and to keep that throughout their life is going to serve them well for a very long time. She gives uh, some examples of, um, says Adam Bede, B-E-D-E. And then another example is the mill on the floss. So, I think these are poems. Um, 
So I would look those up. I didn't look them up. So my apologies, but um, this would be a really good example of like bringing this up to your kids and just, just reading this and saying like, this is somebody's um, observation of the natural world around them. And as the kids get older, so my oldest older, um, so with my oldest, uh, we did not use the Charlotte Mason method. So my older child, my 13 year old, uh, so second oldest um, is now in form three. Sorry, I have to think about this a little bit. She's in form three, seventh grade. And um, they now have this um, subject called uh, transcription, dictation, not dictation. There's a composition. (laughs) It took me a minute here. Composition. And when I was listening to some advice on how to do this, um, one of the pieces of advice was have them retell um, something from their history or generally it's history, but like, you know, their science or what, what have you and have them do it in verse. And so you can use some, some of these examples of people. Um, I think Emily Dickinson is another one. Uh, she said Woodsworth, Tennyson, uh, David Copperfield, all of these would be examples of people writing about nature and being able to say like, okay, so your, um, composition assignment this week is to write about our hike or to write about the place where we go on a hike. Let's say that write about the place where we go on a hike in verse. And it's just a fun way for them to kind of play with words and play with their memories. Um, But then also when they go on that hike the next time, that habit of observation is keen. Or maybe they know that they are going to write about this later. You tell them before you go on the hike. Um, you're right about this in verse. Um, it doesn't have to rhyme, but just to have some cadence to it, to have some flow. Um, all of these are ideas of just how to uh, hone in on that habit of observation, inshallah. So this brings us to the end of this section. Um, the next section is called the child should be made familiar with natural objects. Um, and then she goes on to talk about kind of the the academic and the psychological benefits of being familiar with these natural objects. And then we'll start moving on to um, geography. Geography is the next section after that. So we're moving along here. Alhamdulillah. The geography one is pretty interesting. Um, But I hope that this has been valuable for understanding just what do you even do when you're outside? What am I gaining from this? Why is it worth my time? And all of these type of things. Um, so just a reminder, you will gain added benefit from this if you read the book yourself. You can find this book at most retailers uh, online. Uh, most online reta- retailers, alhamdulillah. Uh, and you can find a link to it in the description of this video or podcast. You can find me as online as Middleway Mom on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. On Instagram, I share our day-to-day homeschooling life as well, so you can find me there. And if you have any questions that you'd like answered, you can email those to Shannon, that's S-H-A-N-N-E-N, at middlewaymom.com. I want to thank you so very much, and assalamu alaikum.